Making friends is easy. It's nice having another magically inclined friend around. But making love... Don't touch me! ...can be a real struggle. But all you can do is follow me around making moon eyes. I'm in love with you. Buffy. <laughs> Welcome to Meteors and You, also known as If the Apocalypse Comes Speaking. This is a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago, and this week's episode is Season 6, Episode 9, Smashed. We'll be talking about plot, we'll be talking about characters, and we will be talking about what writer Drew Greenberg thinks about the plot and characters, so spoilers abound for this episode, every episode before, every episode after, the comics, and probably other shows and movies. You know, I gotta say, it's nice. Having other podcastly inclined friends around. Podcastly is not a word for a reason, I feel like. Podcastly. There's a lot of consonants going on. Hello, welcome back. Welcome back to this show about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, hosted by me. My name is Kelly, and I'm here with my wonderful co- wonderful co-host. Co-host, Stacia, say hello. Hello. And my other co-host, Daniel, say hello. Let's face it. We're not going to find this thing because it doesn't exist. There's no such thing as a podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. (laughs) That eats diamonds. Oh. (laughs) We suck. We need new brains. That's right. I brought a prop. There's Foley. Daniel did Foley for his intro. (laughs) That's a book slamming closed. Wow, I wasn't expecting that level of artistry. Clearly, we are, have come a long way from where we come began in this show. <laughs> we were once on the bottom, and now we're on the top. Oh, shit. Uh, that cost me about $40,000 for that book, I, for, to get the rights to do that. To get, I had to buy the rights for the book, because they'll know. The, so I'm not going to say what the book is, but you know, if you're listening to it, you know what book it is. So. That exact sound of that book slamming mm-hmm. shut. Mm-hmm. And we did pay for it, just never forget. And I did it twice. You heard it twice, so that was... Is that $80,000 or no? Will you pay for the license? You can use as much as you want. In the you can use as much as you okay. want, thank God, but it costs a lot. Worth it. Uh, we're here to talk about Smashed, as mentioned before, Not Wrecked, which is episode nine of season six, which originally aired on November 20th of the year 2001, written by Drew Z. Greenberg. If that sounds unfamiliar to you, it should, because this is the first episode of six that he's going to do for the show. The next one will be Older and Far Away. Uh, Drew Z. Greenberg, I have to say it slow like that, otherwise it's going to come out Drew Z. Greenberg, uh, was, is a producer and writer whose credits include episodes of Firefly, Smallville, The O.C., Queer as Folk, Dexter, Warehouse 13, Arrow, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's also written for a few comic books, including a couple issues of Buffy in Season 8 and Season 9, as well as Green Arrow. Uh, Greenberg is openly gay and makes a point to write gay and lesbian characters into his episodes. It's so, I was like, I've never seen this little note inside the Buffy wiki, so I was like, okay, fuck it, I'll put it in here. Uh, quote from Drew Greenberg, uh, I've, ri- I've never written an original pilot script that didn't have at least one gay character in it, even if I was the only one who knew that the character was going to be gay. Telling stories about gays and lesbians has been a priority for me. <laughs> this is how people talk. Uh, he has also been a huge fan of the show since the very first episode in the DVD commentary. He says that he... He says that being able to write two big plot points, being Amy D. Ratting and the first Spuffy hookup, into his debut episode was like winning the lotto. So, 
big old wow. nerdy fan getting to write for the show. That's always so crazy. There's another guy, I think it's it's not Drew Goddard, I can't remember his name, that um comes in in season seven that was also like a huge fan of the show. And it's just like, that'd be such a cool thing to like, I love this thing. Oh my God, this is my job now. What the fuck? Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, this episode was directed by Terry Meyer, another name we have not heard before. Uh, this is the first and only episode for him, though he does direct three episodes of Angel. Meyer is a writer and director whose directing credits include episodes of also Smallville and a show called The Lot, as well as the films Alien Express, Candyman 3, Day of the Dead, and Sleepstalker. Terry Meyer is also a writer. He's written for the TV shows including Midnight Texas, Salem, Witches of East End, Hawaii Five-0, The Vampire Diaries. Is it The Vampire Diaries? Interesting. Yeah. I thought it was just Vampire Diaries. Uh, Smallville, Andromeda, and Mutant X. Not familiar with that show. As well as movies Wrong Turn 2, Dead End, Wicked Minds, Candyman 3, Day of the Dead. That's right. Wrote and directed that movie. A uh, movie called Gilgameth. And also, hey, Sleepstalker. Yeah, wrote and directed that as well. And Leprechaun 2. But most importantly, he wrote the 1998 Carrot Top vehicle, Chairman of the Board. Never forget classic american business is about to go into the red carrot top is certifiably insane chairman of the board oh man okay royalty yeah i know well i mean you gotta you gotta make sure you get that in because we're not you know this is the only time he's gonna direct an episode so we'll never have the opportunity to point out that he wrote the movie chairman of the board uh hey what happened in this episode uh does anyone remember amy if you don't, that's okay, because no one else really does except for Willow, occasionally. Uh, well, Willow decides that today is the day to derat Amy again, or try to derat Amy again. But this time, she succeeds. Buffy comes back from patrol, ready to tell Willow about her recent spike kissing and possibly get some advice to curb her new lusty feelings. But surprise, Amy's here, and now we don't have to talk about that. Meanwhile, the trio made a freeze ray and stole a diamond. Uh, Amy and Willow go on a magic bender, which includes cringy scenes of the bronze. Tara and Don have a touching, newly divorced mother-daughter day on, on the town. And Buffy and Spike fight outside a museum that the trio stole the diamond from. And during their fight, Spike realizes that he can hurt Buffy without feeling any pain. Spike goes to Warren to see if his chip is broken, and turns out it's working fine. Spike arrives at the correct conclusion that it's not me, it's her, and goes to beat up Buffy to prove his love, I guess, and to fuck down a house. Did I miss anything? I think that's right. I think that's everything that happened. That's pretty good. Uh, we have a f- couple of fun facts, and I don't want to talk for a couple minutes, so Stacia's going to tell us all about the fun facts. Sure am. Yes. Hey, did you catch the Double Meat Medley commercial? Because it happened. While Amy is watching TV at a volume I don't know how anyone watching this show could pick up, there is a Double Meat Palace commercial playing that says, now you get two Double Meat Medleys for the price of one. What a deal! Unbelievable. <laughs> Whatever that comes with a toddler sized soda. Is that a technically a quadruple meat medley? Mm, yeah. If you put them together. Right. Yeah. Okay. You if get you... the two sandwiches and you stack them. It's the double, it's the quadruple meat abomination. Mm-hmm. It changes its name. Gotcha. Jubilee. The quadruple meat jubilee. Jubilee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Willow's de ratting spell is in Italian. In Jokey English, she says, first, mm-hmm. reveal. I think everyone already knew that. Just to make the paper with the spell appear. And then she says, what was is no longer. What was done, undo. The danger past, the trial no more, set it right. Apparently the Italian was very difficult for Alison Hannigan to read. 
The crew wrote the phonetic spelling of the word on the wall across from her on the set during the scene so she could reference it. Drew Greenberg said that writing a spell that long for Allison to say in a language she wasn't comfortable with was a mistake, and he never wrote a non-English spell for Willow again. <laughs> Must have been a really terrible experience. During the commentary, he's like, yeah, that was a mistake that only a, a, an inexperienced writer would make. Because in your head, you're like, oh, I'm going to make this cool fucking spell, and it's going to be have all these words in it. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to translate it into some language arbitrarily, so it sounds cool. And then it's like, oh, wait, so now we have to find someone to translate it because... This is before Google Translate. Uh, and right. then we have to find, and then, and then one of the actors has to fucking read it. And it's like, it was fine when if it was one sentence, when it was like, reveal A. Great. But then it's like, da 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 Okay. It's clear she was uncomfortable while she's reading it. Oh but also, apparently, the Italian, <laughs> at some point, she had to say something like poo poo. And it's just like, this is embarrassing for her. She's not getting paid enough. Yeah, for this. she's like, Catrito Fato. <laughs> poo poo. Chokey foo. None poo. Chokey foo. Fato. So, like, she's always, like, struggled with the Latin, but this was so, so over the top, man. Oh, shit. All right, more fun facts. Supposedly, yeah. Elizabeth Ann Allen claims that Amy was deratted because fans wrote to Joss pointing out that three years was the average lifespan of rats. Whether that actually was the reason or if Elizabeth ever said that is unconfirmed, or at least there are no sources on the internet. Is that true? Is that the average lifespan yeah, of rats? two to three years. Oh, poor actor rats. I know. Wow. Actor rats. Anyway, <laughs> Steve Tartaglia. <laughs> Moving right along. Steve Tartaglia, uh, James Marster's stunt double, says he knocked himself unconscious when filming the last scene of the episode, specifically the part where Spike and Buffy fall through the ceiling. On that fall, our legs got tangled in the breakaway ceiling, and it caused us to tilt at an angle so that my head would be the first thing to hit the ground. And it did. And it knocked me out. Basically, it came to you with some flashlights and smelling salts. Stunt coordinator John Medlin also got hurt during this episode. He was showing the stunt people how Spike should swing from the chandelier, and then it broke. <laughs> he fell seven feet, and the chandelier landed on his oh, face, no. breaking his nose. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Worth it. And for this. For this. <laughs> Worth it. No, guys, cool. like this. Chandelier <laughs> collapses, breaks nose, and they're like, really? I have to do that? <laughs> Maybe we could do something else. Uh, maybe. Should we think this? <laughs> no, fucking get on the chandelier. Dude. <laughs> get on the chandelier. It's integral to the plot of you the You wanted story. to be in Hollywood. This is how you fucking got to do it. The book Xander is reading is not a D&D manual, but it is a novel set in the D&D world, Dragonlance. The book is oh. called Dragons of a Fallen Sun by authors Margaret Weiss and Terry Tracy Hickman. As soon as they said, oh, she was like, that's a D&D &D manual, sweetie. I was like, the fuck it is? That thing is way too big to be a D&D &D manual. Absolutely not. Thank you for those facts. They were certainly fun. Thank you. <laughs> was it cool to be on the other side of the fun fact, Kelly? It was. A special episode. Did of... they seem more fun? They did. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> because, wow. because like you don't know that you're about to read them, so it's funny to hear you be like, <laughs> he fell. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, I, I think that, you know that's fun. Maybe I'll. Well, now it. you know how we feel in the last six years, Kelly. It's been unbridled fun for us. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Weird energy tonight. <laughs> uh, before I ask you what you thought about the episode, I'm going to tell you what Marty Noxon has to say about the episode, and it's a fucking long quote, so strap in. Mm -hmm. This was the beginning of the most divisive story we've ever had, which was Buffy and Spike boning. 
really. I've never seen such a strong reaction on both sides. People either love it or hate it. To this day, people either truly believe that Spike is completely redeemed and should be treated a lot better, or they truly believe that Buffy is a fool for trusting someone who's been evil, and how can she be so unheroic as to allow herself to be caught up in this really sordid romance? So you get the total Spuffy shippers, or you get the attitude, I just don't respect Buffy anymore. It's fascinating to see. The thing I keep saying is that it's not black and white. I love it to be, but it's not. To me, this is much more real. These two crazy kids can make it work, and it'll be a lot more interesting than a kind of perfect romance with obstacles thrown in. To me, this is real life. This is people making their own problems. If they can get it together, if they can get it together, that would be amazing. But it was never going to be easy. That's why Spike did something radical at the end of the year. Joss came up with the idea of the house coming down around them while they while they made love. Gross. It was perfect because we needed something catastrophic to go along with this huge, dangerous union. Ooh. So there you go. That's what Marty Noxon has to say about. I agree with everything episode. up to the point where Joss stepped into that story, and then I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do love how divisive it is, and it definitely is. Like, I mean, even just like casually going on and like Tumblr. Obviously, we have one of those. It's like it's weird, man. The people like fucking love or fucking hate, and I just I never felt very strongly about any of it. So it was fun to I don't I don't know I don't like them fucking down the house, obviously, but yeah. you know. Well, yeah, Stacia, formally, let me ask you, what do you, what did you think about this episode? Um, um, I really enjoy the scenes with Willow and Amy. I think they're fun, and it's, like, nice to see Willow, like, enjoy herself, even though you know it's, like, no, Willow, stop, don't come back. <laughs> um. Run, Juliet, run! <laughs> You're in danger, girl! <laughs> Um, so that's, that's fun because we haven't really seen our friends like let loose at all. Uh, on the same token, you know, the trio in this episode with the freezer gun, like, I just don't care. I can't make myself even give one iota of fucks about that. As far as Buffy and Spike go, you know, I don't think that I would be called a Buffy shipper. Definitely don't think Buffy sucks for dating Spike. I think, I guess I'm, like, with Marty Knox and, like, it's a gray area. I understand why she's drawn to him. Um, I don't think he's redeemed, though. I mean, you've definitely made an excellent case about why Buffy, like, Spike's the best one of all the ones yeah. for, for her. Even if it's not perfect, then it clearly has some huge problems. Yeah. Um, that it's still, some of its parts is better in the end than all of your other relationships. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. nice that, you know, she doesn't have to worry about breaking Spike. Like, she can just beat the crap out of him. <laughs> so, like, I guess in a lot of ways, this episode feels kind of, like, cathartic, like, both for Willow and for Puffy to, like, deal with some of their feelings. So I guess I enjoy it for that. Wow. We've had a lot of Willow hate recently. So you're just, like... I mean, Willow's being a bad guy, I like, for sure. But also it's nice for her to be, like... I don't have to be tortured all the time. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. Daniel, what did you think about this episode? Uh, I can't say that I, I liked it. I mean, I was I really had these ready to go for like the bottom of the list. And unfortunately, it's just like the show is too like it's just too good. Like, I mean, everything here, <laughs> it just it's all of the stuff leads into other stuff like it. It isn't a one off like season two and season three where we just had episodes that don't matter at all. And this does matter. I mean, Amy coming back, I mean, even if it's not till season eight, even if it's just to push Willow, like 
it it's consequential and everything was with spike and, and buffy too um i will say that like i went into this with a in a very foul mood i was not ready not not personally but just like i knew i hated this episode so i was like mm-hmm. really getting ready to be snarky and terrible and like from the previously ons onward i just kind of like i i don't know like something warped in my brain and it slowly the episode sort of redeemed itself to the point where i was like i'm gonna rank this too high <laughs> and then the last and then the last six minutes happened and it's like to me that's like okay this is horrible fucking down a house is pretty tough <laughs> everything happening in the bronze like again it's all like i understand why they're happening but it's just i don't think it's very good and it kind of it kind of makes sense that it's a new writer and it's a new director and a one-time director only and all of that is is very very strange and i think the only thing like truly worthwhile here is that spike realizes the chip and buffy that buffy didn't come back right like that is pretty consequential but even that i feel like we kind of knew is I it good th- is it bad i don't I, I don't know i would say i would i would go to the bad more than the good I think this episode would be a lot more uh, intense if for a second the audience believed that Spike would kill her now that he could, mm-hmm. you know, but because that's never on the table, at least not in my mind, I don't think that's ever on the table, then yeah, I think you're right that like, clearly things are weird, they're doing like, even if we didn't add this new violence element, their relationship is, is totally different than it was in seasons past, so I don't know how much this matters, but it is a cool thing, like, you know, it's cool to hear him say, you came back wrong, like, you know, that's just so great, good. that's just a great line on the face of it, so... Don't you get it? Don't you see? You came back wrong. I I ended up liking this episode way more than I thought I would. I mean, it's just, I, I don't know if it's because clearly Wrecked and Smashed are like intrinsically linked. And they should be because Wrecked picks up immediately after this episode ends. So it's like they are kind of one unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not watching it in a binge to get that other part of it. It's just like when we watched... Um, the first three episodes of the season, I was like, oh, I thought all that happened in this episode and I don't really remember because I, I've watched it all together so many times that it's like parsing it out is is really weird. So I, I didn't think that the them having sex happened until the next episode. Stacia didn't either. I, I like I Me just too. I didn't I didn't remember what this episode was about at all. I just like, oh, Amy comes back. But then is that mean Rack is in the episode? So anyway, I really enjoyed it. I think the biggest thing I enjoyed, I found myself was uh Willow, this is an episode about Willow and Buffy. We haven't done an episode about, like, Willow and Buffy in so long. I mean, it, and it's interesting to have it not be about their friendship. That I keep thinking about this season three episode that, of course, I don't fucking remember. When uh, Willow finds out that Faith and Xander had sex, and, like, Willow's all sad by herself. Oh. Oh. I don't need to say, oh, I got it before. They slept together. She thinks that Buffy and Faith are more friends and, and Xander is now with Faith too and she just feels really isolated. And then they come back together in the end and they're just like, no, you're my best friend. You're my best friend too. And it's just like really nice. And it's like, I haven't seen, I don't know, the show hasn't felt like about them in so long. And it just, it was nice to get an episode that was about Willow Buffy, even if it wasn't about Willow and Buffy, them separately. Because no one else was in this episode. It was like Willow, Amy, Spike, and Buffy. That was it. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and the other people I mean, were just kind of there sometimes. That like yeah. um, non conversation that Buffy and Willow have is like the first time that we've seen them alone together mm-hmm. in a really yeah since really she's long been back. Time. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, and even that was stunted, which I think is pretty important with mm-hmm. the growing apart of everybody. It's like even they couldn't because of Amy, because of Tara, because of everything that was going on. It's like they couldn't finish their thought. It kind of mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. life got in the way again, and it forced them apart again, and they never got to say whatever they were gonna say. So, yeah. Don't worry. It won't lead to problems 
in the immediate future. No. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about the episode. Way to go with the keen observingness, Jessica Fletcher. Another testament to this episode, I think, is that we get vintage Buffy. We open with quipping and Buffy breaking up a mugging. I mean, accidentally, but still. It's like, oh, good stuff. That's classic Buffy. And then a little bit of banter with Spike. Feels It's been a while. I mean, I think this is, like, Drew Greenberg's pointed out, at least I, I, I think he is right. This is the first time she's done any kind of like lighthearted quipping mm. since she's been back. Mm-hmm. So... It felt good. It felt good. I'm just saying, all the things that have happened lately, okay, the the bank robbery, the jewelry heist. Exploding lint. Is it me, or do these things seem really lame? Well, I was going to go with unusual, but yeah. Uh, So Buffy goes in to tell, presumably, right, that uh, I've been making out with Spike and I have strange feelings. Mm -hmm. If they hadn't been interrupted by Amy, do you think she would have actually told Willow? I do. Yeah. Do you think that uh, it would have maybe changed the course of the episode? Like maybe Buffy doesn't go have sex with Spike at the end? I do. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Daniel, what do you think? I don't know. What I mean, what do, I'm curious, Deja, what do you think? What would Willow have said? Would she have just said no or I mean, I think or? I think that Buffy's saying, look, I made out with Spike. That Willow's like immediate shock and disgust would be enough for Buffy to be like that's right we don't do this right. <laughs> like to feel so ashamed that she like disgusted her best friend that she wouldn't she wouldn't go there again because the next time she okay. saw Spike and thought about kissing him all she'd think was Willow being like Ugh. <laughs> or would Willow be like you know what girl I'm leaning into this too you lean into that I'll lean into I don't it, think I think. she would though Buffy. because later in the season when they realize what's going on they're worried about Buffy, and okay. they're like, oh, why would she ever do that? That's disgusting. Well, I mean, they actually are pretty, like, Willow's pretty supportive. She's like, yeah. oh, okay, well, you slept with Spike. Not great, but it's okay. <laughs> We're okay. So, I, I mean, yeah, but isn't that what you would do as a best friend after the fact? Yeah, you can't you change want, it? Yeah. Like, what else do you say point. at that point? Yeah, you really had to get there beforehand, I think, is the is the key. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Buffy and Spike have the conversation outside the museum. Oh, I should have just looked at my notes. Maybe, maybe things will become more clear. And then, Spike goes out to attack a girl because he realizes that he can hurt Buffy, so he thinks he can hurt everyone. Anyway, um, they had the little argument they have about he's like, "You love me," and and you need to, you know, the I guess summation of which in my head was, "You love me," and you need to admit it to yourself. And she's like, "No, I don't." There is a moment where she kind of comes back, and I wonder like if that would have been part of maybe she did need Willow to pop her up because she said all the things that I think that Willow would have helped her say which is like it didn't mean anything it meant way more to you than it did to me this has got to be over when I kissed you you know I was thinking about Giles right you know I always wondered about you too what oh gross Spike he left I was depressed ergo vulnerability and and bad kissing decisions okay but that's all that it was. You have to let it go. Did she say she doesn't have feelings for him? That was the gist, I feel like. But that's not what she said. There is a distinction. And yeah. boy, I didn't write it down. I mean, I think the, at least what I took away from it was like, you know, it's like when you, you're you saying like a magic phrase, hoping you can will it into being. Like, we're mm. not doing this. And if I repeat that enough, then it will become true. Try to yeah. secret. I'm convincing myself away. as much as you. Well, Spike says, you know, it's only a matter of time before you realize I'm the only one for you here, pet. Right. You got no one else. Say that enough times, and that becomes true for, for people, you know. In an episode where there is a house that gets fucked down and a bunch of, like, abuse between people who are 
romantic partners, I guess, at this point. Before that, Drew Greenberg said that in the commentary, he gets questioned way more about the decision to have Spike attack a person than all of the Spuffy stuff. Like... How could he do that to Spike's character when he's clearly on the path to redemption? Uh, Drew said he intended it for it to be ambiguous, that it's up to the viewer to decide whether or not Spike was really going to bite the random person. Uh, so does he really want to bite her or does he just want to want to bite her? Like, you know, this is the thing I'm supposed to do. I, I know that I'm supposed to do it, so I'm going to do it. So do you think Spike would have gone through with biting her if he could have, if the chip, in fact, was malfunctioning? I think that it's kind of, like, twofold. Like, one, he remembers it feels good to make people feel afraid mm. and, like, powerful. Like, it makes him feel powerful. And, like, I'm a creature of the night and I am evil. But at the same time, you can tell from the way he's talking to her that he's trying to, like, amp himself up. Like, I don't know if I'm ready to do this. Let's do this. Oh, yeah. You know? So I don't I don't know that, you know, it's like he's getting in over his head, but also, like, he needs to see it through because he needs to know. Right? Wouldn't you need to know if the rules had changed in yeah. the game or not. Not even necessarily that it's an evil thing because he doesn't have to kill her. That's true. No. He just has to hurt her, which obviously is still not a good thing to do, but... No. <laughs> so Daniel, And you're going to do it in the most vampire way possible, too, of like going... I'm not Instead of just punching her, because that would prove it right there. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm going to go right for like the scariness, exactly what you're saying, and then I'm going to bite her. Like, mm-hmm. that's how I'm going to prove that there's not, not me just physically hurting her and seeing if it works, but, like, I'm just going to go for it, too, because I need to. And he wants to. I'm sure a little bit of him is like, yeah, I kind of I kind of miss it. That's an excellent point I didn't think about. He could have just, like, walked onto the street, punched someone in the face, and saw what happened, yeah. but it wasn't about that. It was, like, the psychosexual whatever of it all, like, uh... She is. Is this what I am? Am I still a monster? That's what Buffy just said. That I'm not a man. His whole monologue. She thinks I'm housebroken. She forgot who she's dealing with because she's got me confused with where she fits in. And I'm and I'm supposed to too because I'm not <laughs> just walking around. I know what I am. I'm dangerous. I'm evil. <laughs> like all right, buddy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> I'm the baddest bad. <laughs> yeah. This poor girl's like, oh, God. What's right. happening? You are the baddest bad, sure. Okay. Sure. If you're going to rob me, just rob me, please. This is too much. <laughs> I don't need this. You're like the third vampire run into this week. Like, <laughs> come on. Yeah. Remind me not to help you. More often? Hey, little sympathy for the man with the migraine, can we? Oh, yeah, I guess specifically, do you, do you think he really wanted So whether or not he could have, like he was going to, do you think he really wanted to? Like, does he want to be the bad guy? Like... Do you think he no. he wants to be a redemption guy, right? He wants to be the guy that Buffy wants or deserves sure. or whatever, right? That's the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I think, and this is where I like Spike. I find him, like, complicated and interesting. Um, but I think that, you know, like, in addition to him enjoying, like, the feeling of power from scaring people, he also enjoys the feeling he gets from saving people, right? Like, they're both positive feelings for him. And so he's, like, struggling with, like, who do I want to be? And, you know, part of it is, like, I want to be good enough for Buffy, but it's also, like, if I'm never going to be good enough for Buffy, then maybe I should just do, like, what's in my nature and what feels good. And I think he's, like, playing with that idea of, like, you don't need to tell me how to be. Like, I make the rules. I make the decisions about my own life, you know. And I'm sure it would be easier, right? Just revert to your base or vampire instincts and, like, forget all about Buffy and just fucking go full evil again. I think that's why you go get a soul, too. It's like the chip has almost become a crutch where it's like he just doesn't even question that he can't hurt people because of the chip. And it's like, well, soul kind of works in the same way, too. It's like Mm. if you just 
believe that you can't, you shouldn't do it, then you're not going to do it. And I think he's like, yeah, in that moment struggling with like, holy shit, like this thing that's been keeping me sidelined for a year and a half, maybe it's all just fake. And what mm-hmm. am I doing? And I think that's probably mm-hmm. why he goes to get his soul, right? He's going to do that this year, next year, right? Yeah, the I end mean, of this, this season. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. that's probably a lot of it, you know? Because it's like, oh my God, I was kind of, you know, I guess he w- wasn't really doing it without it because he still has the chip. But I'm sure that, this is a moment where we cross your mind of like, oh my God, what if I am cured, but I don't actually want to attack these people? That yeah, what would does be that a mean? Thing for yeah. a vampire, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you know, I got to go get a soul because Angel does. I, you know, you don't really even need it, but <laughs> right. whatever. Well, I think that's more about Buffy. But I mean, I, it's hard to imagine that he's like sitting alone in his crypts just thinking like, oh man, I really just wish I could bite someone right now. Like, it doesn't yeah. feel like that's what he's doing. Like, it feels like he's you know, moved on from that. Like maybe at the beginning he was feeling like trapped or held back in some way. But like once he realized he could hit demons, he's fine. Right. He sort of like transitions over and he is like found his little niche and he's doing well. And I think, you know, you get to this point where it's like, I don't need the chip to hold me back anymore because it's not the chip that's holding me back. But it's like to prove that to Buffy. How do I prove that to Buffy? Because she doesn't think that I'm anything. Right. She still thinks I'm garbage. Well, get a soul because she trusts Angel and she knows Angel's more than just like crappy vampire right so i think that's his like quest right it's like to become the man that buffy wants (laughs) to prove that it's not just the chip that's making him do these things it's him as a person that he has changed you know and he's good enough to have a soul and he's like good enough to be like a hero for her um but yeah so this is like an interesting episode where he said sort of like you know sitting on the razor edge of, like, who am I going to be? Like, you have these two paths ahead of him, and he's not sure he wants to go back to being who he was, but also, like, you know, so frustrated with Buffy, which, from his perspective, would be very frustrating. <laughs> and I think you have to yeah. evaluate it, man. This huge, this huge shift. Your entire life has been this one way for the last two years or whatever, right? Like, you would have to be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What do I do? Well, I think- do I have to do it? I don't have to do it. Do I want to do it? Maybe I want to do it. (laughs) Yeah. And obviously he can't attack anyone but Buffy. But I think, like, the idea of someone being like, I can do this and I choose not to is so much more powerful. And that's why I find him so much more interesting than Angel because Angel never has the chance to make that choice. He, when he doesn't have his soul, cannot say, I could do this, but I choose not to. He'll never do that. Like, he is forever going to be trapped by his soul, held back by his soul from his, like, baser instincts. Whereas... Spike without a soul can still make that choice, which seems so much more powerful to me. But like, obviously, Buffy doesn't see it that way. <laughs> and it leads up to the end, right? Because it's like, you know, I love you, and it's like, no, you don't, or whatever. But thanks so. for saying it. Yeah, yeah. He goes through a lot for her to. Still, he goes through a lot. Still, just want to be friends. Because, and then I also wonder, like, okay, so if you had Angelus and you couldn't resoul him, and you put a chip in his head instead, because it's like the next best thing. Right. Would he become what Spike is becoming? I don't think he would. I don't think so, yeah. That's not in him as Angelus. I think he would find other ways to hurt people and get what he yeah. wants. Like, he would just direct other vampires to do his bidding for him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Spike could do that, and he's choosing not to. I swear, I would sell my soul for a decent short game. The next part of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it kind of just clumped everything together. Uh, divorced Tara and Dawn, day oh, out. So uh, Willow's internet magic at the magic box. And uh, the chip check with the trio, right? So I just wanted a quick note here. I could have said this for yelling, but Willow calls erasing Tara, Tara's and everyone else's memories. Little things that don't matter. 
<laughs> just, just yeah. like, yeah. why bad would I not be concerned well, about Well, it's a bad guy. <laughs> Did you guys know? Do you think she's getting too powerful? Eh? <laughs> yeah, I know. This whole this whole episode was like the watches were built for it. I was just like, there's Bro. one. There's one. There's mm-hmm. one. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with Spike, turns out, because Warren does whatever he does that we don't. How would Warren even know? I, I mean, that's do? why we have to do it off screen mm-hmm. and then just have charts because who the knows sure. what the fuck. Oh, it's wild. Okay. So my question is, this is now actually my question, but now my question is because that infuriated me. Why wouldn't Spike immediately be like, clearly you have some technology. Like, I know I can you speak to the chip. Can you shut it off? Yeah. Why would he not immediately yeah. just never forget? He mm-hmm. took Harmony to the Sunnydale mm-hmm. fucking college mm-hmm. hospital theater room to get some poor schmuck to cut it, the thing out of his brain. Mm-hmm. But Warren, a guy who's like, yeah, absolutely. I can see it. I understand all the electronics. Clearly I can do stuff to it. Could you just run a magnet? Let's just run a strong ass magnet over my head and see what happens. Like, it's not a terrible idea. So I, I just why he wouldn't ask, I don't know, whatever. But clearly he's like doing some self-reflection. Maybe he even thought, oh, Warren could probably do it, but no, because I don't it doesn't matter. Ah, Buffy! So maybe that's what the whole thing was. Anyway. Everything's different now. Nothing wrong with me. Something wrong with her. So what is wrong with Buffy? Stacia, what do you think is wrong with Buffy? Now, obviously, we have the benefit of hindsight because we've seen the rest of the show, but why can Buffy be hit by Spike? Honestly, I can never remember why Buffy can be hit by Spike. I don't know. Okay, Daniel. Do we? <laughs> is it not that she came back wrong? What does that mean? <laughs> well, she just came back not human, not fully human. Okay, so you Is that think- not right? I guess I don't remember. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't super remember either. But <laughs> I buy that argument. Like when I heard it, I was like, yes, "This is right. This yeah. is dope. That's awesome. I'm here for this." Yes. And more importantly, Buffy definitely bought it. Mm-hmm. Buffy was like, "Oh my god, he's fucking right. Mm-hmm. Something is wrong with me." Because well, why she can feels that, right? I mean, yeah. that's like speaking mm-hmm. to what she is already feeling. I mean, isn't that a great so. fucking answer too? Like, oh god, it's totally. just that I'm a demon or something now. Cool. Like, yeah. all... I don't have a soul. Something's wrong with me. I mean, the right. fact that she she definitely internalizes that and feels weird and disconnected from her friends. I mean, she already feels that way a little bit anyway. So this, like, the fact that she doesn't go even crazier because you could really give into that, right? Like, fuck it. Like, just nihilism all the way. Nothing matters. Why do I have to save anybody? It's just like I'm not even here. Like, I'm not gonna try. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. make connections anymore. Uh, the there is an episode later uh, where Buffy and Tara are sitting in, in Buffy's living room and, and Buffy like totally breaks down and she's like, hey, something's wrong with me. Tell me what's wrong with me. Use magic. Tell me what's wrong with me. She's like, there's nothing. Tara's like, there's actually nothing wrong with you. You're you're totally normal. And Buffy just like can't handle it. She's like, but if there's nothing wrong with me. Why am I doing these things? So uh, she's fine. Apparently, I think Tara's throwaway line is, you're fundamentally different on a molecular level now that you've been re whatever to come back to life but you are 100 percent human you're not you know there's nothing you're not less than human you just sell for sell you're not the same, the same thing and so. that's why spike can punch her and supposedly i guess those cells yeah, okay. are not trip chip triggering cells who knows how there. the fucking chip works though yeah that's true yeah, i mean it's true, the right most now. MacGuffin-y MacGuffin ever because it works sometimes <laughs> and not at other times the rules change episode to episode well and my first thought too when it was like the wavelengths are coming off and like Lawrence talking <laughs> his nonsense i was like i thought because i know riley's gonna make like an appearance and so mm-hmm. there was part of me too that was like oh the initiative right because i totally forget what they do i was like oh are they gonna are <laughs> they, they already too, manip- are they manipulating the, the the things you know to fight buffy 
philosophy or something. I just like I I was like I don't care. I well, in, in cool. the end I actually don't care about any of those things that I'm proposing. I'm just gonna keep watching this episode. But that was the first thing I thought was just Riley's doing it, and then I was like, oh, I don't I don't think that's true. But. Huh. Yeah, I never would have thought about that. That's interesting. I mean, we definitely play with the chip in the next season about it malfunctioning because even though next Spike season, yes, he has the chip into next. He has year? it forever. He has it forever. Why? Uh, yeah, he but gets it a soul like it too. But no. Well, so oh. that's the thing. There's an episode where he does, like it it breaks and he uh, almost kills Robin Wood. Oh so, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll save that for next year. My <laughs> okay. well, that sounds cool. That sounds good. Yeah, we're talking about this episode. This episode. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you have anything else to say about that chunk of the episode? Because I'm going to towards the end now. Barreling no. towards the I end. I mean, I thought the trio's jokes were funny, but God, they are really starting to get on my nerves a bit. Yeah. And, uh, the Tara stuff, I mean, I was just like, divorce is hard. That's what I wrote. It's so sad. <laughs> yeah. It's, so it's just so sad to see Tara. I mean, they're so cute, Tara. And but Don, it's really so touching. Nice. I guess. It's uh, so touching. It's apparently, really nice. Amber Benson and Michelle Trachtenberg went up se- separately. Like, uh, Drew Greenberg was talking about how he always feels bad if he doesn't include all the people because he really loves all the actors, especially being a fan of the show. You're like, oh, God, yeah, I want Tara to be in this episode, or I want, you know, Don to be in this episode because I love them. Uh, and he was like, oh, I'm so sorry you guys didn't really get to be in this episode at all. And they apparently both, like, separately were like, oh, I had so much fun working with Amber. I never get to work with her, blah, blah, blah. They were both very cute about it. And I was just oh. like, yeah, you would be. They made the most of it, though. I thought they did a really good job. I mean, it I made you feel totally sorry believable. for the scenario. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, we get this is the first, like, Tara as her own person, really, episode, right? I mean, we've had the awkward, awkward scenes yes. where she's with one other cast member. That's terrible, which is why <laughs> Tara's on the pod again even really exists. But this yeah. is the first time, like, she's not one of those girlfriends. She is Tara McClay, independent woman, and this is her daughter <laughs> totally they're, well they're she's totally normal there's no like st- yeah stuttering there's no like nervousness yeah. like it really is like they just have a really great connection with one another and yeah you totally buy that like mm-hmm. she has a friend as a surrogate mom in their home that's how dawn would feel about it and that's how she feels about dawn and it's i buy it 100 percent. it's very sweet yes moving on to something not sweet Additional fun fact. I'm going to read it, though. <laughs> Drew Greenberg says in the commentary his original idea for Willow's revenge on the guys for his little, like, homophobic <laughs> Ellen comment at the bronze was for Willow to do a spell that made the two guys unable to stop making out. Uh, mm. Joss Whedon actually vetoed the idea because he didn't want to portray people's sexual orientation as something that can be changed into instantaneously, and he didn't want to show same-sex kissing as a punishment. And I was like, look, he did one good thing. While he was probably doing something very bad, <laughs> he made a good ch- good choice for the show. Terrible choices everywhere else. Um, obviously, when Buffy defends Willow, uh, like her budding magic addiction to Xander and Anya at the magic box when they're like redoing their research stuff before Buffy goes off to uh, have sex with Spike, uh, she's mostly defending her own stuff, right? She's like... Um, you know, not everybody's getting seduced uh, out there. You know, people can just kind of do their own things and... Uh, but Xander kind of makes it seem like she has no idea why Tara and Willow split up. I, I was really confused about what Buffy knows and how much everyone cares. So when Buff, when Willow does the magic on the laptop, Will, Buffy's like obviously freaked out. They're, everyone's like, oh, okay, great that you're doing that, I guess. Uh, but Xander has to offer, because Buffy's like, I, I don't know the specifics of what happened. And then Xander's like, she, Tara thinks Willow is using too much magic, and he and she's not the only one. But Buffy's like, yeah, but it's fine, right? It's fine. Uh, 
why do you think Buffy has no real issues with Willow's behavior? Or do you think she is concerned? I don't know. I think that maybe Buffy's so disconnected. She's unaware of how much magic Willow is using. Um, And I think also, you know, when you think about Willow, and I think we fall into this trap too, you think about like season one Willow and like her bucket hat and her pigtails. And like, that's not a Willow that's going to end the world. So like you think, you know, she's always got it together. She's so put together. This isn't going to be an issue for her because she couldn't make that mistake. I mean, I think we do a good job in this episode too of getting little glimpses of early Willow too. There's definitely very cute Willow moments in this episode. Uh, like when of her talking to Amy, her talking to the little Olive at the bar and just like mm-hmm. it's like god god damn you Willow. This mm-hmm. is why. This is why you try to destroy the world and no one sees it coming, you jerk, even though you do terrible stuff. Uh do you, Daniel, do you think that Buffy is like so into her own stuff right now that she can't see what's going on or she really doesn't think it's a problem? I don't think that she knows what's going on. And I don't think that there is enough evidence in the show that there is a crash course on when there is too much magic being used. <laughs> right. And right. I don't think Willow has displayed that in front of Buffy at all. I don't. Th- I think Buffy's threshold is incredibly high because her and Willow are best friends, and she doesn't see anything that really anything that's happened. You could make the case that like even with Tabula Raza and all, she doesn't even know that that was Willow. Like you could see a world where because our friends are so disconnected a little bit. Where that information never even gets back to Buffy. Like, yeah. we just go on with our yeah. lives because we're so traumatized by our jobs and what we're doing that we never think about it. And Xander, I think Xander is also, if we're going to say Buffy is oblivious or dumb or whatever you want to say, Xander, I think, is the same way. He would have the same thresholds. But he has Anya, who who probably is like, hey, I can see from a million miles away. This is not good. Guys, I'm fine. What's the deal with... Oh, for crying out loud. This is bizarre. You're all la-la-la with with the magic and the not talking like everything's normal when we all know that Tara up and left you and now everyone's scared to say anything to you. Except me. Is this that thing I do that you were commenting? And Tara, obviously, can see from a million miles away. Dawn can see by living in the home. They all have this glimpse that I think Xander and uh, Buffy just don't have or are unwilling to have because they... They can't see it. They don't know yeah. what to look for. They're, what is magic, as we've said a million times? What? Who is governing magic? How do you know it's too far? And even Giles kept that to himself and brought it up to Willow specifically. I'm sure he said nothing to Buffy to watch out for Willow. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that never came up once. I really like the idea of Buffy not realizing that Tabula Rasa was Willow's fault. That, like, you know, she wasn't there when they got the reveal or whatever, right? She's, like, making out with Spike. And no one bothered to tell her. So she doesn't know what happened. She just knows it mm-hmm. stopped. Whereas we see Xander and he's very, very clearly aware that it was Willow's fault. And so when Anya or when um, Tara leaves, Xander knows exactly why. And I and I think that clarifies why Buffy was like, well, I know it's because she was using too much magic. But like what actually happened? Like Mm. she doesn't know that that was the breaking point. She just knows that for some reason Tara left, but she doesn't know what it was that made Tara leave. Or because she just came back too. Buffy just came back. It's like we're almost going to like not spring all this stuff on her so like they they might even be pulling back information just to not like make it worse or make it crazy or to overwhelm her or whatever sort of thing they think because that's a pretty petty thing like oh she erased her fucking memories well and would willow be the one to tell her 
Like Buffy, yeah, Tara dumped me because I erased everyone's memories because I was trying to erase her memory again after she told me not to. No, I mean, we already saw how Willow was defining this, which is little things that don't matter. She definitely didn't tell Buffy what happened. Tara didn't tell Buffy what happened because Tara just left. So I think, you know, Buffy is like, yeah, I know that we've discussed that she's using too much magic, but, like, I really don't know why they broke up. (laughs) I. I did, yeah. That's yeah. really the the explanation is that I know that there was magic. I don't think anyone told her about Tabula Rasa. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> when would they have? They they just like don't fucking hang out anymore. Yeah. They just don't. Like between Buffy is like I came back from the dead and I'm not okay. <laughs> and Willow being like I'm a junkie and my girlfriend left me and Xander being like Oh my god, am I getting married? I'm getting married. I did this to myself, but it's happening. Uh, they're just not, you know. Yeah. And then who's gonna take care of the kid? Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a lot. So I guess, yeah, I guess Buffy is just like, I don't know. Willow <laughs> <laughs> said, said it's fine. They, got, they had a disagreement over something very trivial. Yeah. Tara took it the wrong way, I guess, and she left. I don't oh, know. Hmm. Everything's cool. We're yeah. Spike. <laughs> We're all cool. Yeah, and Willow seems fine. Like, I mean, I yeah, saw her today, yeah, yeah. and she was cool. She was like, yeah, whatever, man. I'm cool. We're just I mean, chilling. she even did that, you know, scary thing that she's been doing, that megalomaniac thing where she's like, yeah, no, I mean, like, I brought back Amy. I'm basically the best thing that ever happened. Clearly, Tara's a fucking idiot, and I don't know why she left. But, you know, everything's good with me. I'm fine. Yikes. Uh, and then, yeah, just tell me <laughs> tell me all your thoughts about the, um, the last scene of the show. <laughs> Dude. I mean, it's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, like I'm fucking down the house or the fucking yeah, bronze. Yeah. I mean, God, yeah, yeah. they're almost. I forgot all about the bronze, but oh, it's 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 atrocious. I mean, I, I, I mean, I again, I like it was way better than I thought it was. And watching this one at a time is so essential because you can really fall into it. I understand why people wouldn't hate it as much as I hated it. I'm sure you hated it when you binge this. Holy fuck, do do smash and wreck in my head the opposite way, right? They just are the worst. And I had an existential crisis where I'm like, is it worse to because I thought everything happened after, like you said, I thought that they fucked the house down next week. And so I was like, is it worse to fuck down the house at the end of the episode or to wake up in a house that's been fucked down? Like, I don't know now which is worse. What's going on? Is this one worse or is that how how do I define this? So I'm just having a hard time here. And when it started happening, I was genuinely shocked. And I like, again, I like why they were fighting. I like the idea of not being human. That stuff was really good. And I didn't, I just forgot all about it. But I can't forgive, you know, just fucking the house down. It's too funny. It's just too funny. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And just uh, like everything falling. I think the direction, th- that's kind of where the writing kind of falters a bit. And the direction definitely falters. It just, it felt really clunky and just like shots too far away from like you could just tell you know like okay they're they're fighting over here and then we're just going to get a shot of this item falling down and there was a lot of that and you're like okay yeah i wish this was like a more fluid place that we were Mm. you know fucking like just destroying stuff in that would be more fun if if it was actually the two actors visibly destroying it and not just act you know the um stunt doubles you know Mm. just punching each other like they always do so that would be my big critique right there. Stunt double stuff in this one. There's like there definitely is. a long scene of not Buffy standing over Spike. I'm like, SMG could have stood in. That she's right. not punching. She's just standing. <laughs> I don't really know what just happened. Um, yeah, Stacia, tell me, tell, how do you feel about the house fucking specifically? I mean, like big eye roll. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to. I was like, okay, try to watch this 
and not just close your eyes because I like I don't like kissing movies grandpa I don't like them and I just so immediately it's I'm already like ugh. but then I just like is this bad is this bad it's just like this is a sex scene in a tv show it's kind of interesting that the house is breaking. Oh, the music's so dumb. I, I will oh, tell you. The music is so I bad. will tell you, as far as sex scenes go, this one with Spike is way less cringy to watch than the one with Angel with, like, the weird hands and the sheets, and it just goes on for, like, eight years. <laughs> and just the ADR. <clears throat> like, yeah, the weird, <clears throat> the weird, like, random close-ups on bodies, and then everyone... <laughs> and you're just like, no, why is it stopping? It's still happening. <laughs> Oh, was that like early, like surprise and stuff? Innocent? Yeah, yeah, surprise, yeah. Innocent? Well, I yeah. think I told you that um, apparently, like Joss Whedon said in the commentary or something, that they, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and David Boreanaz were too embarrassed to do the ADR, like the voiceover after the fact. So right, it was him and someone else on the crew that made yeah. the sex sounds. And I was like, this Ooh. is normal stuff. This Awful. is awful. <laughs> so, like, put in that perspective, this isn't that bad. I think we're going to seize it. And once you get to a certain point, the seizing is sort of inevitable. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Wow. It just, it's like cheesy and it feels stupid. But I mean, honestly, watching Buffy beat the crab out of Spike at the first half of the scene is like really fun for me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was shocked uh, during the commentary. Drew Greenberg was like, "I think this came out so well. The music was just absolutely perfect. I love that Thomas Vonker came in and like did that like sweeping." I was like, "This was a bad call. I don't know what you would have done to fix it with the score, but it wasn't this. I feel like you should have just went classic cheesy. Let's fucking get another Static X song in there and let's do this. We're doing hate fucking. Let's do hate fucking songs. Why are we doing? Ah, what is going on? It was know. a terrible choice. Terrible yeah. choice." And yeah. it like, and I don't always notice the music, but my note says, "Wow, this this is absurd. It's well, absurd." Good, I'm glad. I thought it was crazy when I was listening to the commentary. Like, you, this was a you liked this. Oh, okay, <laughs> great, whatever. <laughs> you like this? This is, this is good for you. Okay, yeah. You could have just had fucking Virgil, the band Virgil, just play through the whole goddamn end. Yeah, and just like you did with Michelle Branch last week. I mean, just do it again. Just Who gives a fuck? Again. Whatever. Yeah. Okay, um, at this point. So, what did you hate about the about the bronze? I mean, it's just, uh, come on. It's just so silly. I mean, I kind of get into it a little bit more. Well, just like, I mean, you got Jesus, you got people shrinking and growing up. You got people like the fact that they, the fact that they don't remember that it happened, them dancing in cages above. It's like the whole thing is so dumb and it's fine. Like, I'm totally fine with it. I really am because I, I love Willow and that's pretty fun. And, and Amy just being there is also, it's weird. Like, mm. I really thought I was going to hate it. And then I'm like, yeah, it's fine. This is okay. They're having fun. The, it's not fun because it's drugs, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the bronze, I like all I kept thinking was, why are people cognizant of what's going on? So clearly the guys in the cages, they were like upset that their bodies yeah. were moving the way they were, like they weren't in control of it. But I don't know how, how cognizant is everybody else at, like, because people aren't freaking out. You would think people would start running the fuck away. They're like, mm. oh my God, my body just fucking grew six feet. I, this is not okay. I'm not okay. But mm. no one, I turned into a sheep. Like no one is upset or freaking out so why not is it just because they're <laughs> well what are the sheeps gonna do they're just internally screaming i mean they did and run on away. the outside they're like bah. <laughs> <laughs> 
but why is it just magic like is it are we just going to do that constantly it's like whatever spell they did made it so that people just are doing the things or are these people happy that they're here that these magic things are happening can they even see the magic things i don't well i think that they've put them into another dimension i think everything that willow was saying before about pausing time moving people over mm. to a dimension is kind of what happened here she made a fucking bother bewitch bewildered spell on brie that girl she made her into yep. a living dead walking corpse <laughs> came over Hi, to willow brie. and <laughs> and Willow, and this is a little spoiler for the for the like a low key dark Willow moment is kind of what we're talking about. There's no overt stuff, but a low key moment here is she was not turned off at all by the Walking Dead Bree. It's not that I'm horrified by this monstrosity. There's not a human being behind those eyes. It's just that it's too close to Tara. But maybe later. I'll take the monstrosity. That's fine. Because <laughs> they're all, they all don't even remember that it happened. You know, it is no different than just sort of pausing their time and turning them back on. And like, they're just having fun having people do crazy stuff. Right. Cause no one remembers this. No one knows no. what's going on. I mean, on. I don't think so. And that's horrible. I mean, yeah. that's as horrible as pausing time, moving people over to another dimension and moving them back. Even if they don't feel it, it's like, those are people's exactly what you said before about consenting to this. No one's consenting to any of this shit. It's, I mean, that that's scary. That's fucked up. And they, she doesn't think about it at all. That moment with that Brie woman is so interesting because that was one of the cute, like, flustered Willow things. It's like that. Mm-hmm. That's like season two Willow. Like, oh, I got a boy. I don't even, uh, what, what? But then, it, yeah, that's scary that she's, I mean, fuck, she probably wasn't even mad that, you know, that this is too soon and I can't, I'm not over Terry yet. She was probably more like, that's not the person I picked. I didn't do the mind control. This is not how this works. I pick probably. who I mind control. <laughs> Which is dark. And it's like, yeah. did she just not pick the other girl? Cause she was also a redhead and it's like two <laughs> redheads. Cause Tara isn't, how does she know what her preferences are? You know, like, I don't know. There's so many assumptions going on here. Fuck you, Amy. Don't, how dare you? Don't fuck I, with people's brains. I definitely had the thought that I was like, I think, everyone's really fucking lucky that Amy's was a rat for the last three years because she Dude. is crazy powerful. Yeah. Like she's as strong as Willow is yeah. and she's already liked that. Like that is how she went into the rat was that strong because she didn't do any rat powering up, right? Like, there was no leveling as the rat. She, that was That's how strong she was when she, and Willow's never turned into a fucking rat. You know what I mean? Like she's never done transmogrification or whatever you would call it in this world. That's not, she's well, yeah, strong. I mean, it, it does seem like when Willow turned into a rat, she was stronger than Willow was because Willow takes it takes her years, right, to figure years. out how to fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I, Which I think honestly is damning to Willow that all she had to do was say reveal a <laughs> use Dude. a spell to cast, <laughs> like to call forth the correct spell. Like really, that didn't occur to you three years ago. I thought you were smart. Whatever. That was my first yell. I said, is no one else weirded out in this world that it's easier to bring people back from the dead than to turn Amy from a rat into a human? I mean, it's wild I mean, that that's it reality. Seems we skipped like some steps of Reveal it would be like a really useful spell. Like you could use it to reveal the demon that you're looking for in a book, right? Like the book could just flip to the right page. But no, we're not going to do that. We'll never no, use we also have again. a way to do that by using the fucking sand thing that Tara and them did <laughs> to reveal demons too that we oh, never yeah, yeah, come yeah. back to. The There's a billion. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah. Also, I'm glad you brought up the Amy thing too because it's, it's true. She's so powerful. And I kind of forget, right, because I don't know how long she stays here. But it was the it was a weird thing. She does apparently go away because when she comes back in season eight, it is a weird thing to team up with Warren. But she is powerful and she mm-hmm. does have a grudge on her shoulder. And it's like, yeah, you kind of get a little bit of that here too. She's really aloof. She's very kind of like, creepy and just like come Mm -hmm. with me willow Mm -hmm. you know we're gonna do this 
So it's yeah. kind of like it's cool when it comes back around and she's like, I'm kind of the bad guy. All right, cool. All right. I, I buy that. Well, she definitely has super loose morals already. Like she she's the the instigator for sure. Like Willow, this is pushing her over the edge. She would have gotten to this point probably without any intervention. But like this is hastened it by a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you, the last time we saw Amy was when she turned around and that was in Gingerbread. Right. Well, I guess technically he's here during something blue for the one second, which is hilarious. But uh in that episode, she's scary, man. Like, they're doing their little Micah, Amy, Wicca, goth little culty thing, but it's just to do a protection spell for Buffy. Like, it was all goodness. But when she's tied to that stake, man, she goes to the Hecate immediately. She's just like, mm. fuck you. I'm a super powerful witch. I got this rat time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> rat. <laughs> you know her mom's a witch. And an amateur psycho. Amy's the last person that should be messing with that stuff. Hey, Amy, I like your new hair. Fuzzy little Amy. Intent has to be pure with love spells. Right. I intend revenge. Pure as a driven snow. I think you're being too hard on yourself. She's got access to powers I can't even invoke. Goddess Hecate, to you I pray. With the Senate. Quit with the Hecate. I swear, if I could figure out how to turn you back. Chokifu, Nonipu, Chokifu, Fado. I mean, first, she's a perfectly normal girl. Then poof, she's a rat. Hey, Buffy. Hi. How have you been? Rat. You? Dead. Huh. <laughs> so I think if she was around, like, I'm just trying to think, if Amy had stayed Amy yeah. on the path she's on to, like, I do whatever I want whenever I want, I feel like they would have come up against her mm-hmm. at some point. Because oh, you yeah, would have she... had her as a big bad. You could have had her, yeah. You could have pushed Glory to season six and then Terror, yeah. you know. You could have done any sort of way. They just really, I just think that they super uh, lucked out that she just want that she mostly thinks Willow is lame. Like, that she doesn't hate Willow or, like, want to hurt her enough that she does hurt her because she could. She just thinks Willow's boring. Like, uh, you don't want to do magic. You don't want to do drugs anymore. You got sober. You're fucking boring. I don't like you. Mm. And then she just kind of, like, messes with her life a little bit until then it's like, yeah, in season eight she wants to kill her. But, yeah, because in season seven, don't forget, killer and me, Amy curses Willow to turn into Warren every time she kisses Kennedy. It's real cool. Ooh, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. so, That's cool. a real episode. Don't worry. So Amy's just around now? She's just in the show? So in a couple, so Willow does her big like, I don't want to do drugs anymore. You're a bad yeah, influence. And he's like, fine, whatever. You're boring. You're lame. I got to go. I'm going to go hang out in the crack den because you were no fun. And then uh, she tries to come back. She like drugs Willow up in a couple of episodes after Willow's gotten clean. She's gotten sober. Tara's real proud of her. And then Amy comes in. Drugs. Just <laughs> drugs in your face. <laughs> <laughs> and then. And then Willow's like, oh, my God, I did drugs by accident. Ah! Tara's never going to take me back. And then it's okay. Tara understands. Don't worry. And they season get back together is, no bad. It, season bad. six is starting to sound a little bit worse as we <laughs> move forward. Oh, God, but we're never going to get there until we finish this episode. Okay. Oh, man, let me ground myself by telling you that we're Real Podcast, and you can find us everywhere at BeatMePod, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. We have a website, BeatMePod.wordpress.com, that contains notes about our podcast that will have things like references. I'm sure we referenced stuff in this episode. If you want to know what it was, go to the website. The website also has a link to our Spotify playlist. Hey, what's on that? All the songs that might be played in our podcast episodes, as well as all the songs 
in the Buffy episodes that are available on Spotify. I bet that band Virgil, if they're on there, they're going to heavily feature in this section of that playlist. And that playlist name is, what is it called? <laughs> <laughs> Buffy of Fun Beat Time. Beat me hyphen okay, yes. Fun Time playlist for podcasting <laughs> in season six. Yep. Check that out if you want to check that out. If you put it's, us on the spot and made us do it, that would be so funny. It, it's just like me and Stacia trying to get through whatever man, the name of That should be a new is. gag. It should just be like, damn, what's yeah. the name of <laughs> Just switch uh, off every week. Oh, God. Okay. Well, it's uh, it's time to yell if there's even any yelling left. We went through a lot of yelling already at the end oh, there. I just kind of lost it. Okay, great. Uh, Stacia, you want to go first? Do you have stuff? Yeah, you got stuff. Go for oh, it. I got stuff, I guess. Um, it's nice that when Amy was deratted, she was deratted with makeup still. Isn't Naked, it? but a full face of makeup. <laughs> <laughs> Rat makeup. Uh, Daniel? Before I roll down to my yelling, I just wanted to note that I was listening to this on headphones, as you do, and the loud, the sounds of his belt coming off, Spike, mm. when they were having sex, very loud. Um, as if they're like really overcompensating that you need to know. Right now, the belt is coming off. I I, t- I totally queued up my fucking notes to talk about the, the last scene, but I didn't read it. I put egregiously loud unzipping noise here. Mm, yep. The belt in the it was so loud. The belt in the zipper. It was so loud. They the really The Double like, B didn't Palace commercial that. was a fraction of that, and that was way better content. <laughs> they put that in post. They didn't get the oh, yeah. sounds when it was going. So. No, no, that was Foley. That was the quality of Foley we did at the Foley. top of our show. Beautiful. They probably spent the same amount that we did, so. <laughs> For sure. No gloves? No gloves for heisting? We're doing heisting and we don't wear gloves? Fucking Warren touches the, all the glass. He touches all the glass when steals the diamond. Now I know. We've been a, we've had characters come on our show and talk about how terrible the law enforcement is in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. However, this is egregious, man. Come on. Andrew's wearing a full mime costume, as we love to jokingly point out. No gloves. Not a single, nary a glove. Do crime better. If you're going to do crime, do it better. Station. Of course, Don likes raisinets. Gross. <laughs> mm, brutal. It's a very personal gripe. <laughs> They're the worst <laughs> the very candy. Hey, that's what yelling's all about. That's true. <laughs> oh, and yeah, personal gripe. You want to talk about personal gripes? Willow yes. offers Amy some hot chocolate. But she's still nauseous. That's fair. You don't want some hot chocolate. Willow then sets the cup down on her desk, quote unquote, for later. I want to ask you, because I find this <laughs> repulsive and appalling. Um just the idea of setting a hot beverage down like coffee and setting it down to drink. I'm a notorious never, but I don't think you guys are. I think you guys, where do you guys fall on that? How long will you let a, a, a beverage and specifically coffee and hot chocolate sit before you're like, nah, I'm not going to do that. I do know that about you. I do not see for me. These are two different questions. I feel like hot cocoa inexcusable has to be hot because marshmallows are a keen component of, mm. of the treat for me. Mm-hmm. And if you can't melt the marshmallows, what are we fucking doing here? Mm. Do you think Willow Cut. got her marshmallows for Amy, though? Ooh. I'm going to guess that's marshmallow-less. Mm. Okay. If that's the case, then we're just dealing with chocolate milk, and that's okay. Mm. That doesn't bother okay. me. Okay. But And then coffee? No. I'll drink coffee straight up cold. I, I, oh. I literally had a cup of coffee at 3 o'clock today that was from 8 o'clock this morning. Repulsive. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would agree. I would agree with Kelly on the coffee. Uh, coffee made same day. Same. Find a drink until you know it's too late to consume caffeine. Hot chocolate. I would feel weird depending on how long it's been sitting out, just because I'd be worried that you know the milk is gonna mm. give me food poisoning. Mm. But the actual temperature of a lukewarm or cold hot chocolate would not bother me. Mm. Mm. Oh man, do I have anything personal? I don't think so. 
Um, can we agree, at least, though, that that is definitely not the fucking museum? That is absolutely not the museum. Live from the museum, Brian Morris, K-O-U-S. Not mean? the Inca Mubby Girl Museum. This is a brand new fucking museum. And I, I it's brand new museum. to this town. It's yeah. the same museum. No. Why not? Do you remember? Oh, man, I was hoping Daniel had a fucking cute of the facade. Well, the pack. Of the... I mean, it's unlike in the pack, right? Well, no, we, that's, we the there. that's the zoo. Oh, that's the zoo. That's the zoo. Inca Mummy Girl. When do we Girl. go to Talking the Inca Mummy Girl? Mummy yes. Girl. This is not the same museum. Where and I would argue that the facade of this new museum is actually a fucking UC Sunnydale building because that thing is way too nice. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah. I don't oh, you want to know what it actually is? No, it's the Los Angeles Natural History Museum. Oh, so it is it actually. It is oh. a real place. It says right there, Los, it says Angeles, Los Angeles Historical County. and Art Museum, yeah. but it changed a couple of years ago just to the Natural History Museum. Wow. There you go. All right. But it's beautiful. It's a beautiful building, though. It is. But I feel like we've probably used this facade for a UC Sunnydale building before. Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah. But clearly it is the Los Angeles. Anyway, it is not the fucking museum from Ingo Mommy Girl. No. Oh, God forbid they have two museums in Sunnydale. <laughs> do you think they have enough culture <laughs> to have two museums? I don't think so. I mean, they do officially now have a fucking airport, so. I know. All bets are off. It's a magically <laughs> expanding and contracting town. And a gallery. I mean, there was a gallery, uh, too. Was there? Like... That was never confirmed. <laughs> We've was, never we, seen it. We never saw it, right? We never, <laughs> ever once saw it. We never, never saw we Joyce Edwards. We did see paraphernalia from, from yeah. the gallery. Yes. Like when they opened crates at their house. Because but not that makes there. Sense. We never went on location no. to the gallery. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Never. doesn't exist. The uh, scene with Tara... And Don, like, yeah, okay, divorce mom, taking your teenage daughter out. To yeah, try to say something negative about this. No, I'm going to. I just, <laughs> no, I'm I think, going to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I think it's so funny because Tara tries to do the like segue into, you know, but you're really still, you're really important to me. And I just love the idea of her being like, the sister of my ex girlfriend's best friend is very important to me and you always will be, Don. I want you to know that you maintain a very important. <laughs> Spot in my life. It's the family you choose. And I will okay. always make time for you, sister of my ex girlfriend's best friend. <laughs> in no way related to me or even my ex girlfriend. <laughs> See, I would counter and say we're actually the biggest bond because those bonds were artificially made by the monks. You and I, our bond is real. It's real. Time. It's just as real as anyone else. The only right? real. And the only yeah. real one. The only real, real one. Because so. it was established post all the bullshit. Right? Post, yeah, so, they they couldn't have known Tara, right? They could, well, no, well, they, they could have I mean, known Tara. But I still mean, like, she's had more time with Don than Buffy mm. has in real life. Yeah, I feel like mm. maybe not. Yeah. Oh well, at this point, uh, yeah. probably not. I mean, it was like a year before Buffy died. Yeah, but still, I feel like Buffy's out a lot. Don's at school. <laughs> okay, whatever. They had a whole summer <laughs> together. <laughs> uh-huh. You think they did this every day, milkshake party every day? Okay. Good God, that's a lot of shake. I mean, I know part of our big movie and milkshake fun day but good god that's a lot of shake <laughs> did you guys hear about tom and nicole oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were married i had to look it up the order of upsetting mm-hmm. things is amazing 1996 to 2001 oh they, so it was so, brand new so fresh. it was february 5th 2001 that they that they announced their separation so wow. yeah it's pretty pretty current you know it's definitely out of time with when it came out but probably around the probably right around the time they were filming it too mm. uh, this was relevant so who knew hot goss hot goss if you guys didn't know they're divorced <laughs> <laughs> just like tara and willow oh oh it's true um 
you know, Willow's the bad guy and she's using too much magic, A. I will say, though, in her defense, that using magic internet has to be way faster than using 2001 internet. I mean, I think right now we're probably comparable. I think we could have found the same information, the same speed, magic, sans magic. But in 2001, man, what are your options? There ain't no T1 line. What is she doing? There's no good Wi-Fi. So what what choice did she have? But she still is hacking into stuff. Like, she's getting those police reports. It would How would we find it so fast, man? She is like, here's mm. a police report. I, how, I don't know. I mean, do the core of being a techno-pagan, I would say. Mm. Yeah. But she's rusty. It's okay. No one freak. We'll just do it another way. I don't think we need to resort to, I mean, oh, hey, cool. All right, back to basics. A little old-fashioned, state-of-the-art hacker action. That's great, Well, I haven't seen you do that in a long time. I don't remember that part. Okay, apparently I had a lot of thoughts about this Tara and Don. <laughs> Why? <laughs> We're back! Um, did Tara kidnap Don? Because it seems as though there were no plans. Tara just brings her back to a completely empty house and is like, huh, <laughs> where is literally any other adult? I don't know. <laughs> well, that's why it's fucking damning that the only one that cares about this kid is the ex-girlfriend of her sister. Yeah. No. What? It's damning that the only one that cares about Dawn is the ex-girlfriend of her sister. This is the best friend. Best friend. Fuck man, yes. Of, of the sister. <laughs> I forgot. Your sister is Buffy. Yes. Yeah. Right. Anyway. Girlfriend of her sister's best friend. No, just... I don't think she kidnapped Dawn. I think there was a clear plan, and no one cared enough to was make there sure. A clear plan. Yeah. There... I don't even think Tara cared enough to be like, so I'm gonna drop her off back at eight o'clock. You'll uh, be there. Yeah, then... Like there was no plan. Oh yeah, no way. That's true. Otherwise, she should have said when she walked in the door. Well, she didn't say where is everybody, but I guess. Yeah, but I think she just assumed people would, someone would be there. <laughs> there are a lot of fucking people there all the time. The odds are good that someone would be there. Yeah. Tough stuff. Tough stuff. Uh, Dana? Uh, the newspaper Xander's has on has up is uh, one of the ridiculous newspapers that we see from time to time yes. on the show. I don't know if you guys saw any of that stuff, but he was reading. Uh, it said, work, battle for service jobs intensifies. Then there's an attorney's wanted, which we've seen before on another yes. paper recently. And then a whole thing about... Oracle 8 slash 81 Cisco, something to do with uh, whatever. But uh, the actual article, Museum Guard Attacked Frozen, Body Thawed, Remains Unconscious, has no byline for one. So we have no idea who wrote this shit. Um, And then the rest of the articles are essentially, like everything else, the same iteration of everything before. So I'm going to read a couple like instances that you can make out, but it is just repeated throughout Mm -hmm. the whole thing. It says, many instances of divinely inspired infant geniuses have later turned out to be magnificently machinated, ma- yeah, machinated hoaxes perpetrated by clergy as a means of motivating reluctant parishioners. Modern research confirms, however, that many such events are indeed genuine instances of intellectual prodigy. An award-winning scientist, Mr. Chen, recognized theological thesis at age 11, beca- became a working journalist at age 13, and succumbed to alcoholism before his 16th birthday. Her 16th birthday. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, at first glance, at first glance, it would seem that there are more cases involving scientists who act like managers displaying genius like behavior. But this proves to be a widespread and widespread misinterpretation. The instances of newborn children displaying prodigal uh, prodigal mental powers are more numerous than would be expected. Many new cases of newborn infants speaking forms of gibberish are confirmed to be ancient or 
blank languages that have mystified blank, I think it's scholars, for centuries. And then later above this, which continues the same theme, it says that an infant of Lubeck talked within the first hours of birth, learned Latin and French by the age of three, and predicted his own death by the age of four. And then you can continue this story with the headline wage, wage, which has nothing to do with <laughs> what we're talking about on a six. Uh, so absolutely ridiculous. I see Robert Boyer is a staff writer for something on the economy, but this one has no byline. So that's very funny. Good job. Wow. That I felt like something was about to be like, that was a spell. You just read a spell. That's I just what that read was. a spell. It was really yeah. upsetting. It was I like, like Illuminati. It's turning into a lizard person. Well, there's so many uh, spelling <laughs> spelling mistakes as well. So I felt like, yeah, you know, I was basically Italian. So, well, the sentence, you know, yeah, okay. yeah. Fato, chio, conchucci, poo-poo. That Chen recognized theological thesis yeah. at age 11, became a working journalist at age 13, and succumbed to alcoholism before her 16th birthday. It's like 100% that AI <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, obituary yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> what what Jennifer needed was more life. <laughs> she graduated at uh what is this, like her funeral and something was like so good. She married her high school. She married her high school. <laughs> she she like, studied collect- dust. Or yeah. dust. She collected horses, I think. <laughs> so good. I-, I can still get into the swing of things like Prom's coming up. I, I was so hoping Larry would ask me. We would make such a splash. Of... Oh. Oh, God. He hasn't asked someone else, has he? Amy, three things we have to talk about. One, Larry's gay. Two, Larry's dead. And three, high school's kind of over um oh yeah the bronze i should have just the magic pool is so dumb it makes me so mad every time they pan out and i'm like oh fuck that's right they're not actually playing pool because we need to do magic pool in front of everyone and again it just makes me think about can anyone see this and then the fact that the music cues were all so on the nose it's like she's a demon and it shows amy and it's like got her caught in the corner as the pool ball goes into the fucking corner and then as soon as we cut back to everybody being crazy the bronze goes what is wrong here and i'm just like oh my god you guys with the music in this episode you're fucking killing me Uh, so much hate um after amy releases that brie from her spell walking horn and brie goes back to the red-haired girl you can see the red-haired girl mouth what was that about (laughs) let's be in trouble i want to talk about uh gatorade has a new flavor blue Mm -hmm. um i can't confirm what buffy's talking about fully because I don't know if it's true. And this led me down to a deep dive in Gatorade. Kelly, oh, did you God. know, being from Florida, <laughs> that it was created at the University of Florida? Hell yeah, man, for the Florida Gators. That's why it's called Gatorade. Make them go fast. They won the Orange Bowl, and Georgia Tech, who lost, said, it's we didn't have Gatorade. That was the difference. And I was like, what? And so they only had lemon-lime when they started. And then the mm-hmm. Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl in 1969, and they attributed the win to Gatorade. Then Elvis got up on stage and took a sip of Gatorade in 1970 and said, this is Gatorade in case you need to aid your gator. 
No. And then in was Elvis yeah. even alive in 1970? I don't he, believe it. He was still alive. He died in <laughs> 73. Uh, and then in 1973, there was a lawsuit, and this was, I found this interesting. Uh, the University of Florida actually sued the doctors because they tried to run off to make Gatorade. And the University of Florida was like, you made that with our resources. So to this day, I don't know if it's still true, but as of the time of the article, um, which was a couple of years ago, they are still receiving royalties for Gatorade to this day uh, because they it was their research or their money that funded the research for it. Oh, and did shit. you know that Quaker Oats beat out Pillsbury to buy Gatorade back in the day? And in the same year that they bought it, 1983, Fruit Punch, the most iconic flavor, was introduced. They didn't even have a different flavor for 20 years of Gatorade. Fruit Punch is the, are you out of your, it's lemon, lime, and orange, man. Lemon, lime, Fruit Punch is the worst. Fruit Punch it's is the great. Worst. The red one. I can't believe it's even still a flavor. You're Come out on. of your control. I thought you Fruit liked Punch the light blue great. flavor. I do like light blue, which is what I think they might have been referring to. Yeah, so that and I have questions here because I I I want to so here we go. Pepsi then took over, obviously. Mm-hmm. Gatorade Light debuted and then failed. They did an iced tea with the lemon lime flavor from Gatorade. Okay, I gross. assume it failed. I've never it's like the heard worst of it version of an all Arnold Palmer ever. Yes, and now we are in the era of Buffy, and I don't know if Buffy. This was 1997. Buffy could have been one of the catalysts to really bring Gatorade into the 21st century. But in 1997, after years of just fruit punch and lemon lime, they came out with frost glacier freeze, frost riptide rush and frost alpine snow. I don't know if any of those are blue. Glacier freeze is blue. That is the best flavor. Okay. Now in 1999, see we're now we're moving on further. Now it's our fierce era. We have fierce lime, fierce lemon, fierce berry, fierce grape, and also Midnight Thunder. Those also all premiere. <laughs> I don't know what those are. Again, Buffy doesn't seem to be referring to them. Pepsi beats Midnight out Coca-Cola uh, to acquire Quaker Oats. So just a little Quaker Oats update. They got bought out by Pepsi. <laughs> Hilarious. Now we're in our time period. 2001 was the year that we saw Passion Fruit, Star Fruit, and Frost High Tide debut. Oh. So maybe Frost High Tide? Unless she's maybe. like... Throwing back a couple of years to Blue Gatorade. And it's just like, maybe that was such a seismic shift for the culture back then. We just weren't. We, you know, we were too young to really understand. And then after that, we get some strawberry ice, some lime ice, orange ice. We're in the ice era of Gatorade. Um, then they introduced Propel in 2003. I didn't realize it was so long ago. Yeah. Then we get to this crazy period. Tell me if you know this. We have the cool blue, which probably sounds like something, but this is 2003, so we're we're going ahead. They probably made that because of Buffy. But then they have something called Extremo Tropical Intenso, Extremo Citrico Vibrante, Extremo Mango Electrico, and then Watermelon Ice. Uh, those like, came out here? Those Not all like came out in 2003. I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Then 2004, they had ESPN, the flavor. And that's Xbox, X Factor, Fruit Punch plus Berry. I have no idea. Yeah, Fruit Punch plus Berry. Orange plus Tropical Fruit. So they're just throwing shit together. And then 2005 is like the last big one with like lemonade, raspberry. So like they're just kind of going on to that. So I can only assume it's one of those like Glacier Freeze because those ones were dope. Yeah. But man, if that's true, then Buffy is like still carrying that for like four years just to tell Amy about it, which is pretty cool. I mean, I get it. It, it was a game changer for me, for sure. And, I mean, I've never gone back. And thank God they never stopped making it because they knew what they had and what they had was gold. And then they kept throwing shit at the wall, and then they're like, nope, let's just no, pare this we'll down. just keep making fruit punch. We're good. Ugh, gross. 
<laughs> I liked I liked alternate costume variant Spike. You know, like when you're in a and you play like Street Fighter or something, and if you press X instead of pressing A, you can get the, the alternate color. So instead of a red shirt, we had a blue shirt. So it was the same exact outfit, but it's like blue instead of red. I was like, yes, alternate costume variant. Fight! You're English, right? Yeah. I've seen every episode of Doctor Who. Not Red Dwarf, though, because... Because um, it's not out yet on DVD. Right. It's not out yet on DVD. I mean, I just... I like when our friends have derogatory nicknames for our other friends, I guess. <laughs> so I like when Xander called Spike Captain Peroxide. I'm yeah, glad you didn't say, and another thing about Tara's touching moment with Todd. <laughs> I wish I fucking had. <laughs> I mean, I honestly thought about complaining about, like, so you offer to take Don out for milkshakes and movies and you don't even fucking get a milkshake. What, are you too good? Oh, 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 oh. She what? just won one. That's so fucked up. Maybe we caught up with her after she already, like, pounded six cheeseburgers Clearly or something. Clearly no. Like, I can't. Clearly no. Can't. Or maybe she has some weird thing where she's like. This is argument for Tara is cold. not on the pot again because, like, where are her munchies? <laughs> oh, God. That's Daniel. true. Last one I've got is we don't often talk about like direct 20 years ago ness uh, for Buffy, but like Star Wars, you know, like was coming back a little bit at this time before crashing and then coming back and crashing again. But like Boba Fett has a TV show now, right? That's the real thing. Mm-hmm. I've, I don't, I haven't seen it or anything, but like yeah, that's a thing that's happening. Um, I did look up though this 1979 Boba Fett toy. Hey, all, all right, what's well, not. Let's not do anything crazy here. That's a limited edition, 1979 mint condition Boba Fett. Yeah, a prototype was sold at auction, so I don't know if it was exactly the toy, but it sold at auction in 2019 for $185,000. So, it's wild. Okay, so this is a whole thing. So back in the 70s when they originally made the Star Wars action figures, Kenner didn't even have the money to produce all the, the action figures. There was a problem with oil in the 70s, right? There was, like, the gas shortage and all that stuff. Plastic toys are made with a lot of petroleum, so it's, like, toy manufacturers had to cut way the fuck back. So Kenner, who owned the rights to produce the Star Wars merchandise, when they first let it out, they just send out a cardboard strip with pictures of the action figures that one day you will get. We promise if you buy them and you send this fucking cardboard strip in, we will send you action figures in a year. We promise. And they did. So Kenner owned the rights, and it has nothing to do with that. I just thought that was hilarious. But Kenner had the rights to the Star Wars toys, and they came out with Boba Fett. So Boba Fett first premiered in some weird LA parade it wasn't no it wasn't even LA it was like some weird little town in California there was a Star Wars parade and there was a guy dressed as Boba Fett that no one had ever seen or heard of there was a really weird animated oh the you know the Star Wars special the Christmas special that everyone yeah. tried to bury there's an animated segment in that and there's a version of Boba Fett the prototype version of Boba Fett in that that's the first time anyone ever seen him and then he's in this weird parade in this one town in California way before Empire Strikes come uh, Strikes Back comes out so Kenner's like, we're going to make a toy for Boba Fett because everyone's so fucking into this guy. They're like, "Where the? he's not in the movies. Who is this person? Uh, but everyone's like, oh, he's mis- mysterious. He's got a rocket on his fucking back. Yeah, man, this is going to be excellent. So Kenner's like, yeah, we're going to fucking make this toy. It's going to have a rocket that shoots the shit. It's going to be everywhere. And then some fucking kid somewhere choked on a goddamn He-Man blaster or something. And then Kenner's like, fuck, we cannot make this toy. So the myth, the legend, the thing is that Kenner did make a secret handful of them. And no one knows. And the people that have them, they search for them. And it's like, the thing was, Kenner never ever 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 produced the rocket firing boba fett it never 
happened. And this is like we watched we've watched so many different like little documentaries like uh, the Toy Galaxy YouTube channel, but there was also the Toys That Made Us on yeah. Netflix that did a whole episode about, about Star Wars okay. toys. And they had the fucking guys from Kenner be like, "We never made that toy but it's just this myth that persists amongst these collectors that like no man i swear to god i had it when i was a kid i swear to god my friend had it when i was a kid blah 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 blah. so this thing it's so funny because like the um the writer drew greenberg he, he was like there was so much talk about what we were going to do if we were going to try to get the real thing if we we're going to mock up one if we we're going to get a four inch one or a 12 inch one if we were going to like you know they they had this whole thing because this is such like a legend in the toy collection world. And, you know, add Star Wars to that, and it's already like, oh god. So that thing is not fucking real. Because after all this like hype and craziness, people made their own shit. People like, uh, what's that called when you junk kit or whatever? Kit bashing. Kit kit bash shit. You know, put different because so much of what Kenner and, and a lot of action figure productions will do is just take the same molds and repaint them, or yeah. they'll just like take. He-Man's arms, but put it on a fucking other thing that matches the same scale and size and call it a new goblin or whatever the hell. So it's like, these would pop up from time to time, but they were not real. They were never produced by Kenner. So, if that, if there ever was a real prototype one that some guy who worked at Kenner had on his desk because he was like, look at the cool thing we could make happen. Oh, well, God, we can't ever make that. Yes, I'm sure maybe that one thing exists, but it never was actually in production. Yeah, and I never, re- I didn't read it because my eyes just kind of glazed over. Because yeah, they're exactly what they're saying. They're saying a, the J slot rocket firing prototype, right. and I was like, I don't know what that is. I'm done. But yeah, that's it. So this one, apparently, the one that sold for 185 thousand dollars was one of those that shot, and it premiered at the New York Toy Fair in 1979. But immediately after concerns of safety. You know, just in the, you know, they, they took it out. So there was a very few. Never mass produced, but the prototype was there. Yeah. They had a yeah. prototype. So, of, of course, I'm sure there were five that existed. Yeah. But, the, but everybody's best friend and everybody's, oh, yeah, I had one when I was a kid. That's not real. That is absolutely not real. Anyway, cut all that out. <laughs> <laughs> if it is real, I would say they're rich, but they have a diamond that's probably worth millions. And they just yeah. robbed a bank. So I'm like... That is like nothing. It's worth nothing compared to what you've already done. But Daniel, they're not using that diamond for money. They're using it for weapons. Maybe it's cursed. Diamonds are excellent for cursing. Just a quick thing. Buffy's saying, where the hell do you fit in? To Spike was like, whoa, who is this character? That's so insane. Like that was like, I mean, she's saying you're an idiot, whatever. She said mean shit to Spike before, but like, I don't know. That was, that's cutting, man. She's fucking bringing it all out there. Uh, And also... Does this need to be said? It doesn't need to be said. Uh, I Buffy's wearing a pretty tight leather skirt, and uh, I don't think that they could have achieved what they were showing when they were fucking down the house, just logistically. And broken dick. It's got to be said. You fall. Wow. You, you're there's oh. insertion, and you fall no, together. That's not what I don't know. I just the way you're describing it is gross me out. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's gross. It's it's gross. It's all gross. Okay, great. You would so, you would detach and fall down. And but that's re-tap. you got to plan ahead. You gotta plan ahead. Just have to get your rocks off fighting demons. There are other ways. And to that, an extreme see you later. Wow! Let's get get done with the episode. The next step is you to update us on the watches, Daniel. They were a fork ton of them. Oh, there's a lot, but I'm gonna go really quick. Xander construction outfit watch, no, but he is rocking a brown leather jacket that made me think about the red leather jacket that is not in this episode, along with Anya's belt. I did That's the same one he wears one. in Once More With Feeling that I was trying to point out. Like, look at that awesome camel leather jacket. It's real nice. It's real nice. Yeah. And Anya's just wearing 
normal clothes. So no yeah. huge belts here. Loser. Dawn's piercing screams, no. Just on the inside for her no. divorced parents. No. And maybe her real mom. Chips Ahoy. Yes, the whole episode is basically about his chip. He attacks mm-hmm. the muggers and asks for a little sympathy for the man with the migraine. And then uh, finds out they can't hurt Buffy. So, yeah, it's all about the chips, baby. Willow sure is. is becoming too powerful, A. Eh? Yes. Uh, Buffy is talking about choices, right? You could even, in a, in a different world, too, where they're talking to one another, Spike is something that could come up. But so could be like, hey, are you okay with your magic, right? She never brings it up. We never talk about it. So that's another missed opportunity right there. So if you want to be charitable, even Buffy might be thinking, hey, maybe I need to have a one-on-one with Willow. The whole erasing your memory is not a big deal thing. Incredible. Amy coming back is incredibly unnerving. Anya basically tells her this to her face, and she's unfazed by it. She's like, ah, guys, don't worry about it. Um, I think Buffy, Anya, and Xander having that conversation about her, like that, about how it's like she's a good girl, taking mm-hmm. on power like this for the first time. I thought that was pretty good. I enjoyed all of that. Um, and even Buffy's, like, just not understanding it, I think, is really important for, like, just how the season's going to go. Uh, so it was really cool. And as I said before, the Dark Willow moment of just not caring about this zombie in front of you is pretty dark. Uh, Buffy has a personality. Yes, she came back wrong. That's pretty cool. But as you said, <laughs> that's not how it is. So whatever. Uh, De Hoffren watch. Yeah. No, he's never coming back. <laughs> Hold God. on, man. I know. He's got like back. eight more episodes. <laughs> Just wait for one horrible event It'll to happen. So we could have to so be worth it. And then we'll have to retire the next one, which is Tara and Willow are on the pot again. Yeah, of course they're on the pot again. Ample supply of cookies in the summer's home. <laughs> That that she is just Tara's not going to get to enjoy. Although I want to believe that they had a couple cookies after if she didn't eat all the oh, cookies. Yeah. Uh, and then, good God, that's a lot of shake for their movie and milkshake fun day, which has I put all in caps because it deserves to be movie and milkshake fun day. It is an official thing. And to <laughs> be fair, that was a lot of shake, like comically, so much very shake. large shake. Um, and then when she was talking about the leafy greens and not the gummy greens, I thought I saw this as discourse about smoking versus edible preferences, <laughs> not about vegetables. Um, and then as for Willow, like I think the events at the end speak for themselves. Like she turns the bronze into like a flaming lips concert with a pop punk band. <laughs> and it's like, all right, she's definitely high as fuck. Uh, Michael Wicket, Amy Gothwatch. I'm so excited to say that Amy is back. Like you yeah. don't even have to do anything. And we have, wow, where's Michael? That's all I got to say. Um, He's on third rock from the sun. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I'm, hopefully we'll see him on the TV, maybe with the, with the news man at some point. Um, Anyways, as I said before, the whole thing with Brie is really dark. Um, she also, yeah, makes the boys go in the rafters. There's a flying Jesus. The shrinking and growing dude was really fucking bizarre. The sheep. I mean, fucked up shit. Uh, Buffy charging $1 for everyone asking if she's okay. No, Buffy actually asked Willow if she's okay. So I, know. I don't know. Do we give Buffy money? Do we take Buffy? I'm not going to take any money away. Do you take a dollar from Buffy? Give it yeah. to Willow who really needs it. <laughs> she really needs it. She's living there rent free. I'm sure she really needs that buck. Oh my God, and, Buffy's shady little everyone stays. You might as well stay here. Everyone does. <laughs> Look at you, fucking freeloader. Brutal. <laughs> uh, books a million. Yeah, there's books all over the ep- episode, you know, just on shelves and people bringing them out, you know, whatever. But the, what there is not is a D&D mm. manual. 
We've not a D&D that. manual, no, mm. but just a D&D novel. We could have been yes. more transparent. Streets Ahead, yes, we see the museum again, quote-unquote again, or for mm. the first time. Uh, it's the Los Angeles County Historical and Art Museum, but it's the Natural History Museum today. Spike is on Maple Court with everyone as well. Lots of people, too, mm. in this episode. Lots of shots of random lots people. Of, yeah, lots of extras, for sure. Yeah, so we're back on Maple Court, which was pretty cool, and everyone was running from the Espresso Cafe, uh, or whatever it's called, the Bean. The, the Espresso Pump. Espresso pump going from the pump to stand in line at Hank's liquor store, uh, running across the street to stand in line at Hank's liquor store. So I don't know what was going on there, but we did that before uh, Spike went after his girl that he couldn't bite. Um, and then Tara and Dawn are at a random cafe, too. You oh, know yeah. that uh, we've never seen that place before. No, so I, don't so I don't know what's going on there. And then Jaws Biggest KO, yeah, of course. You know, he oh, took man. a book that they needed, which is pretty damning on his part. Wasn't thinking ahead. And naturally, they still are under the impression that they can call him, even though we know that England does not canonically have phones. <laughs> Obviously, so, pretty tough stuff for for my boy Giles. Not even in the episode. That's a KO, right? So, <laughs> you weren't in the episode. You stole a book, and you don't have phones. KO. <laughs> KO. You're done. And that's your watches. Thank you very much. It's so nice. Yeah, the Amy thing. You're right. It's just like, wow, what a quick, easy. It's real. I almost want to like, for some reason in my head, I'm like, that that counts for the Hoffman too, right? Oh. <laughs> Amy coming back counts for the Hoffman. They're the same person. Yeah, it should have been the Hoffman slash Amy. Why? I mean, who knows? Yeah, not good. Up. We will see him again one day. Yeah, someday. All right, let's hurry up and rank this sucker. Uh, Willow hack slash we talked about the net slash something wicked this way comes. Oh yeah, and oh no. Gave it a four because bad. Whoa. This time she didn't hurt anybody. She did fuck with people's minds again with the consent thing. You could say that as hurting, but she uh and and she did hack, which brought it up. But then I'm like, no, negative overall negative. What we do they the even reference the hack? Okay. I was like I genuinely I shocked by that. Should have been, cool. could have been great. Could have been great. Oh my god! Every time that woman, hi Bree. <laughs> I knew I had no idea what she had said for. The, every time I've ever watched this episode, but I watched with the subtitles on earlier, and I was like, "Oh, she's saying her name, and her name is Brie." <laughs> <laughs> I did, just like two of the stairs, just hi, <laughs> which fits the character too. Uh, Dawn needs an adult. Absolutely not. I mean, she does, and she has one. Thank God, in the form of Tara, who is amazing because yeah. she has the very important connection of being the ex girlfriend of the her sister's best friend. Did they say it right that time. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> Ten, because Dawn needed no one but Tara, and Tara was there. Uh, Monster of the Week. So Drew Greenberg, a.k.a. the writer of this show, said there was no Monster of the Week. He's like, I love this show. We do Monster of the Week all the time. I just realized I didn't do one in this episode or another episode I wrote. So this episode has no Monster of the Week. You could say the trio, but that doesn't count because they're the big bad. You could say maybe Amy because she's taking Willow yeah. down a path. But I don't know. I didn't want to give it any points, so I just gave it a five. I said there wasn't one five uh relationship goodness or badness uh okay well now we're coming into a matter of opinion is buffy and spike good is what ha is happening good i don't know xander and anya are fine i guess uh obviously some people would say that tara and don's relationship is very sweet <laughs> uh willow and everyone were a little scared willow's doing too much magic eh uh but willow and amy best friends best buds this is great never gonna go bad so I don't know, six, fuck it, who cares? Uh, life is the big bad, because that's that's the category for this season when Giles isn't here. Yeah. Um, I gave it an eight, because bad shit's happening. Breakups suck. Drug addictions is bad. 
Sex with villains is bad. <laughs> That's an eight. <laughs> Lots of bad stuff going on. Uh, episode specific. Amy, three things we have to talk about. One, Larry's gay. Two, Larry's dead. And three, high school's kind of over. 10 out of 10. There's actually a lot of good lines wow. in this episode that I did not point out, but that's always been one of my favorites because it just like sticks in my head so much. Uh, Amy, you know, the, the little thing back and forth. Amy, have you been? Rat, you dead. Great. Huh? Uh, and then Great. we heard Buffy saying about like, um, oh, Buffy, you know, Willow's like, oh, Buffy, what were you going to say? And she's like, oh, there's no way I'm going to top that. Amy, <laughs> come back. <laughs> like, Amy, rat, Amy, no, no, no. <laughs> it's fine. We're good. Uh, so great lines. Uh, I you yeah. know, Gotta love it. So, I don't know if you're keeping track. Those were a lot of high scores for an episode yeah. that I have, like, vehemently hated. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I thought mm-hmm. for a very long time. Uh, this is something that's embarrassing that's about to come oh, out of my no. mouth. It's the, the, so the total one. No, 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 no. No, oh, gosh. but almost. <laughs> <laughs> but the most damning thing to me is that it's higher than Tabula Rasa, which is like objectively wow. a better episode. <laughs> but I've like ruined myself with the rankings. I don't know. There's nothing to be done. So it's got a, it's got a 43. Which Science, is, baby. <laughs> you know, you can't. Sometimes it goes in your favor. Sometimes it doesn't. It's all about Straight truth and objectivity wow. that cannot be altered. <laughs> wow. Uh, 43, four of nine for the season, above Life Serial and Beneath Flooded. And for those of you, again, keeping score at home, that's way above Tabula Rasa now. Because Tabula Rasa is like two or three beneath it. Because <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> All right, Stacia, where you are you You have doing? a specific that you can give them a one, and you chose a 10. <laughs> You the line this. is too good. You did this. The line is too good. <laughs> oh my god, what is that? Do I hear that season six is a good season? <laughs> guys, guys. Did you know? <laughs> I'm really worried. Oh, <laughs> oh, okay, Stacia, did you write your synopsis? Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. So I ranked this 80 out of 109. That's a more appropriate spot. That's way it's the right, lowest yeah. episode of this season so <laughs> That's far. That's way right. <laughs> uh, it's below Intervention and the I in Team. Oh, man, a Riley episode. And yeah. it's above Revelations and Choices. <gasps> Tafrim. Tafrim. You put it above Tafrim. I did. Okay. And what's the description? Well, D-Rat's Amy. Spike realizes he can hurt Buffy. They fuck a house down. Trio freeze ray. Nice. That's it. That's just nice and buttoned up. Yeah. Trio freeze yeah. ray. Clutch. That's Excellent. a good thing to remember later on. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what's going to help you remember, for yeah. sure. Like, oh, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that's the, the freeze ray. frozen episode. hand. Nothing right. else that's happened. Right. Yeah. Uh, Daniel? Uh, yeah, no, I... I, I feel bad because I we had so much fun talking about it. And, like, I, I guess I don't want to be – I feel bad because I ranked it low, really low. Um, because it, it wasn't that good, but the lines were great. I've enjoyed this episode talking with you guys a lot. And it's usually with the bad episodes, and I just want to keep that in mind. I chose this almost purely because they said choices when Willow was talking with Buffy. And they were talking mm-hmm. about choices. And I thought – where did I put choices? <laughs> I'm going to put it around choices because I remember choices being not so good. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. Choices was number 128. So it kind of worked out in the end. So I put smashed one above choices at 127 out of mm. 137. It is technically better than choices, technically better than Ted, puppet show, reptile boy, and some assembly required. 
And then we're getting obviously the bad eggs and the killed by death at the very bottom. And technically, I would again, I don't agree with this, but Doomed is better than this. Not true. Surprise <laughs> is better than this. Also not true, I don't think. And listening to Fear, like not a good episode. Better than this. Is that true? No. So we're back at it with the bullshit. So I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this has been a poor uh, for me personally, obviously. But, you know, what are you going to fucking do? I'm just going to blame. Know. I'm going to blame the one time director and the one time writer for now. And I'm just going to be like, okay. And I, I hope maybe Wrecked is worse. I don't know. Maybe Wrecked will be better. Oh, I hate it. No, it's got to be worse, man. Rack is such a fucking cartoon. I can't stand that dude. Like, he, he's... Rack, you know, the drug Rack? dealer. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Jeff Cobra. Jeff, yeah, Jeff, yeah, yeah. yeah Cobra, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Come on. Oh, I'm not into it. I'm, yeah, I'm Willow Rack's a car! It. Come on. It's... I, come on. But they fucked down a house, and we're place, saying... Right? And you're giving it second... You're said it's better than Tabitha Raza. I know I'm wrong. Clearly, I mean, I mean it's like, amazing. What? Why do I like this episode? Why did I rank it so high? I don't know. I feel like they're cute. Yeah. Don and Tara are cute. Tara's being a real person. I think that you know the spike being able to hit Buffy is a, an interesting thing. Him having that introspection. I you know I think Willow's bad and she doesn't notice. Mm. She doesn't notice at all. She doesn't think anything she's doing is wrong and that's fucked. I don't know. I just watched it with a. Someone else's mind, apparently, <laughs> this time around. And That's this good. is what came out. I want that other person's mind when I watch Wreck. <laughs> we'll see what happens. We will see what happens, but that'll be next week. What about this episode? Stacia, do you have anything else to say about Smashed? I don't. Daniel, do you have anything else to say about Smashed? No, thank you. Man, she was so smashed. She was so wrecked. She was so gone. Those are the three episodes. Wow. Next one is actually wrecked. Smash and wrecked. Not wrecked and smashed. Never forget. Do we remember what happens? I think I said the the plot points. Willow gets super Cobra. high from a junkie, crashes a car, Dawn is sad. Things are bad. Mm-hmm. Great. Oh, is this the one where she's at the end like, no, Dawn, no. She's like laying in the fucking puddle of like her own. Oh, yeah. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Dawn. <laughs> and everyone walks yeah. away Dawn. from her. <laughs> Donnie, right? Yes. And everyone yes. just walks away. I'm into that. I'm ready to go. Let's yes. go. All right, great. See, this is going to be better. <laughs> <laughs> so join us next week where maybe I will watch it with my own mind and rank mm. it where it belongs. But we'll see. Until then, Stacia, say goodbye. Goodbye. Daniel, say goodbye. You already said it. You already took the wind out of the sails. But three things we got to talk about. Larry's gate. Larry's dead. <laughs> and this podcast is over. Yeah. See you for, damn it, always see you. Whatever. Rex is next. Bye. I think she said no. Well, nobody asked you, Ellen. Don't mind, Dan. They may seem pig ignorant, rude, and a little hostile. Have fun. No such thing as a frost monster who eats diamonds. Well, maybe he doesn't eat them. You know, maybe he just thinks they're pretty. We suck. We need new brains.